1: Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by both of my co-hosts this week, Maggie Loney and Andrew Mertig. It is a Friday, you guys, so of course it's good to be back together. Uh, How are you guys doing this week? Doing really well. Uh, Did you get to check out the show last week, Kyle? You know, I listened to a few minutes of it, and then as soon as you started talking, I shut it off. So. <laughs> okay, I, darn. I was gonna try to play
2: it off that I said a lot of really nice things while you're gone, but I absolutely didn't. Uh, so I was hoping to get away with that. But anyways, no, things are things are going great. Uh, Maggie, how are you doing?
3: Okay, I don't know if it's like a secret, but you can't drop like big life news right before we record the show. And then when Kyle asks how you doing, just go, I'm good. Things are fine. <laughs>
1: Yeah, tell us about your life, Andrew. <laughs> oh, I that
2: that I got engaged this past weekend.
3: Yeah, ain't no thing. No no same old same old.
1: It's same old. small. <laughs> small development. Maybe I was trying to keep it a secret. Well, now we either have to restart this podcast <laughs> or everybody knows. So, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Really, I I greatly appreciate that.
3: Yeah, congratulations, Andrew. That's I have nothing exciting to add, Kyle. So, I Okay. I've,
1: Shall we just launch into the podcast then today after that? Yes, okay. We like to keep everyone updated on our personal lives as much as we possibly can uh, without telling people too much and making things weird. So, uh, of course, congrats, Andrew. But we have spent the last several weeks looking at the Packers' 2022 opponents and their off-seasons. We're really just trying to get an accurate feel for what these teams are going to look like when Green Bay sees them this season and even how different they might look from just a year ago. We began with the NFC North with conversations around the Lions, Bears, and Vikings, and then we started at the top of the Packers 2022 schedule with deep dives into Tampa Bay, New England, uh, the Giants, Jets. Commanders and Buffalo Bills and so today we're going to keep going with this and we are going to put two more teams under the microscope that are on the Packers schedule this season the Dallas Cowboys and the Tennessee Titans.
3: Yes, so I'll go ahead and get us started with coaching and front office changes for the Cowboys, and there aren't any. So that was easy. (laughs) (laughs) Mike McCarthy enters his third season as the Dallas head coach, and there's lots of familiar faces down in Dallas. Uh, Rob Davis, Joe Philbin, Scott Tolzien, Joe Witt Jr., Scott McCurley, Al Harris, Raina Stewart. It's like Green Bay South. Um, But Andrew, steer us away from this. That's a that's a cowboy joke. And let's talk about free agency losses.
2: <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, yes, yeah, so this, is, this is not the longest list that we've gone over for teams, but it is definitely one of the more impactful um, as far as players that are exiting the Dallas Cowboys. And so um, a player that we talked about already, uh, safety Keanu Neal, goes to Tampa Bay. Uh, kicker Greg Zerline ends up with the New York Jets. Wide receiver Cedric Wilson with the Dolphins. Also going to Miami is center Connor Williams. Edge Randy Gregory ends up in Denver. YL Collins, there's one of their starting tackles, ends up with Cincinnati Bengals. And the defensive end, Brent, er- Brent Urban, uh, ends up with the Ravens. And you may not know Urban's name, but he was an impactful part of their rotation of edge rushers. Um, Blake Jarwin, the tight end, who who was a solid contributor, still unsigned. And then, of course, they had the trade of Amari Cooper to Cleveland, where they didn't really get a lot in return. There's more of a salary cap kind of move. So uh, a lot of departures.
1: Yeah, obviously that Amari Cooper trade is probably the big one, right? The finances were a big part of that deal. But Dallas will certainly be banking on CeeDee Lamb, continuing his ascent. And then I think we'll see bigger roles for guys like Dalton Schultz, rookie Jalen Tolbert, as they wait for guys like Michael Gallup. To return to health and be available for this offense. But uh, that Cooper departure is one that will have ripple effects in this offense and for this team. Uh, So those are the departures. Maggie, who did the Cowboys manage to retain this offseason?
3: Yeah, so the Cowboys were able to re-sign defensive end Dorrance Armstrong, safety J. Ron Kearse, punter Brian Inger, linebacker Leighton Vander Esch, and then defensive end Carlos Watkins. Some really nice re-signings there, especially for the Cowboys defense. Watkins played in 15 games for Dallas and even registered an interception that he returned for a touchdown. Vander Esch obviously was a starter for the Cowboys defense in 2021, even though he played the lowest percentage of snaps of his career. Armstrong will return as one of their starters um, off the edge, registered the most sacks of his career last season with five, and then Jaron Ron Kearse is coming off a really nice season where he had 10 passes defensed and two picks. And then, of course, you know, just fun to mention uh, punter Brian Inger, a former third round pick, which is insane, averaged his best season statistically with Dallas and has probably the best last name ever.
1: All right, so I get to talk about the additions, and I'm upset already because I know that I tried to delete a name from the show doc because I didn't want to say it. And I know that Andrew has put it back in the show doc. So we'll see if I skip it or if I attempt to say the same. But let's start at the top with some names I can pronounce. Defensive end Dante Fowler comes over to the Cowboys from Atlanta. Wide receiver James Washington, the former Pittsburgh Steeler, is another guy who's now in Dallas who could take a shot at some of these Amari Cooper vacated targets there. And then I'm going to do it, Andrew. You're the worst. Okay. This is kicker Liram. Hirulahu, all right. And uh, that is his name. Um, and he is a kicker. Jonathan uh, Garibay is the only other kicker in camp for the Cowboys. So this is actually an interesting note here because uh, Garibay is a rookie from Texas Tech. So Liram is 32 years old. So it kind of feels like the job is this rookies to lose Dallas fans are actually begging for another free agent kicker uh, to come in and really get some competition there. The media outlets are bashing Jerry Jones for his lack of aggression and looking for some competition after the Greg Zerline departure. So uh, the kicker competition is a fun one to watch in Dallas, but Hirulahu is the name of the guy they've got there in Dallas. You did a great job with that. Thank you. I, I try. <laughs>
3: So I have the draft class up next. We have in round one, number 24 overall, offensive tackle Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. Round two, they had Sam Williams, defensive end out of Ole Miss. Round three, number 88 overall, Jalen Tolbert, the wide receiver out of South Alabama. And then they took Jake Ferguson, tight end out of Wisconsin, familiar name in the fourth round. Matt Willetzko, offensive tackle out of North Carolina in the fifth. Damon Clark, inside linebacker in the fifth. And John Ridgway, defensive tackle out of Arkansas in the fifth, and their final pick, Devin Harper, linebacker out of Oklahoma State in the sixth. So to me, you know, Tyler Smith projects as a Cowboys starting left guard, but I've also seen that he's been taking a ton of snaps at left tackle during minicamp, although obviously that spot will belong to Tyron Smith once the season starts. Beyond Smith... Um, the Cowboys didn't really take any day one starters, you know, Williams and Ridgeway. There's some nice, nice depth for the defensive line and Tolbert will contend for snaps behind CD lamb and Michael Gallup, but nothing about this draft class really like blew me away.
2: Yeah, they, they let Connor Williams walk, who was good for about a holding penalty per game, and then they drafted Tyler Smith, who is one of the most penalized players in all of college football. And I know that because Kyle mentioned it in the the pre-draft run-up when we had a show on Tyler Smith. Um, in addition to what you said, I, I think Jake Ferguson is a really interesting tight end prospect, and I know that's Homerism because of Wisconsin, but he. While he doesn't necessarily have an elite trait, he's just really good at everything. And and those kind of solid players tend to stick around the NFL. Um, Damon Clark is going to redshirt a year, but he would have been a late first, maybe an early second round pick this year if he doesn't get hurt. So if he can recover, the Cowboys are going to be really, really happy with
1: that pick in 2023.
3: All right. So did the Cowboys get better or worse?
1: Okay, so I think this team got slightly worse. I think that's where I'm going to land. I kind of went back and forth on some different angles of how this team will look going forward. But they're still very, very talented. But I think the offense lost some key pieces. And we talked about Amari Cooper, of course, and he's the headliner. But the offensive line losses of Connor Williams and Lale Collins are pretty significant. And I think it's unrealistic. To ask someone like Tyler Smith, who I do do think has a ton of upside, but is going to have a lot of growth ahead of him to become the consistent player that they're looking for. It's it's just unrealistic for him to come in as a rookie and match the production of those guys who have lots of seasons under their their belts. So I think this team took a step back, but I think that they have the talent to mask those losses a little bit. Uh, But that's going to be on the coaching staff and, of course, Mike McCarthy to help minimize that impact. I go I even a step farther than Kyle. I, I think the
2: team, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, took a significant step back. Replacing two stars on an offensive line that already needed help is a problem, but then losing Amari Cooper is another, and I just feel like their defense really overachieved last season, and then they lose Randy Gregory, who is a big part of that, um, and are due for regression to the norm. I I know Micah Parsons is great, but there are just too many mediocre pieces on this defense, and free agency really ate away at a lot of their depth, so um, I I think the Cowboys take a, a pretty large step back this season.
3: Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is kind of going to be the defining year for Mike McCarthy and his tenure as the Cowboys head coach. His first year, obviously, Prescott suffered the injury, and expectations were kind of minimal after that. And then in his second year, he had the best offense in the NFL, contending in perhaps, you know, the weakest division at that point. So this year, things are going to get really interesting because the division has gotten better overall. His offense looks different, like Kyle already mentioned, you know, no Amari Cooper. And then on paper, I think the roster, you know, is probably still the most talented in the NFC East, but they did take a step back in terms of their free agent losses and the lack of impact that they made with their draft selections.
1: Okay, guys, that's the Cowboys. So let's go ahead and flip over to the Tennessee Titans here for that conversation. And I'm going to kick things off by talking about their coaching uh, and front office changes here. And much like what Maggie said about the Cowboys, There weren't a lot, so it's a short conversation. The big names stay the same. Mike Vrabel is your head coach. John Robinson is entering his sixth season as the team's GM, which seems like a pretty pretty good tenure he's had there. But a lot of Titans fans expected Tennessee to move on from offensive coordinator Todd Downing, but that didn't happen. The Titans kept him. Instead of doing that, they added a passing game coordinator in Tim Kelly, who comes up, comes over from the Houston Texans. He was the OC there. So they're hoping for some help on offense, clearly. Um, It made some small changes to get there, but lots of continuity for this staff as they enter 2022.
2: Yeah. And and Nashville is one of the fastest growing cities in the United States. But according to the Titans roster, a lot of people looking to get out of town. Uh, And in (laughs) In pairs, <laughs> mind you. Uh, so the Titans lost linebacker Jayon Brown and defensive lineman Kyle Pecco, both to the Las Vegas Raiders. Kari Blassingame, the fullback, ends up in Chicago. Uh, a pair of guards, Roger Saffold and David Questenberry, both ended up with the Buffalo Bills. And then linebacker Rashawn, Edmund, uh, Rashawn Evans and tight end Anthony Furkser end up with the Atlanta Falcons. And then you add to the list, there's a bunch of free agents that they still um, have, uh, just remain free agents. That includes wide receiver Julio Jones, quarterback Janoris Jenkins, tight end Michael Pruitt, and cornerback Dane Kirkshank. And then, of course, you have another big trade, and that would be A.J. Brown going to Philadelphia on the draft night trade.
3: Yeah, mildly surprised, Janoris Jenkins is still unsigned, but some some significant changes, obviously, in Tennessee this offseason lost two starting guards, and that receiving core is just going to look dramatically different with A.J. Brown off to Philly, and then Julio Jones just kind of floating around as a free agent. Um, I think the Packers, you know, are number one in betting odds to land him, which they are for every single wide receiver, um, and they don't. So, temporary expectations, Packers fans, but we'll see. Um, The rest of the losses obviously seem like depth pieces, but uh, we'll see if the Titans mitigated any of those losses through free agency and the draft. Kyle?
1: Yeah, they were able to re-sign uh, some of their own as well uh, to kind of hold the pieces together here. Kicker Randy Bullock is back in the building along with linebacker Ola Adani as well as linebacker Dylan Cole. Running back Dontrell Hilliard is there. Center Corey Levin. Running back Jordan Wilkins. These guys, they all kept them in the house. Uh, these are some, you know, key pieces I think that they wanted to have in the building long-term. Maggie, who else did they bring in through the doors uh, to help this team through some additions?
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
3: I feel like this um, outline is just designed to keep Andrew from speaking for the I entire think so. show. That's,
4: but <laughs> that's the
2: hope. That's All what right. the listeners really want.
3: Yeah, that was the right-in suggestion. But <laughs> our additions we have tight end Austin Hooper um from Cleveland, uh, tackle Jamarco Jones from Seattle, and then defensive end Demarcus Walker out of Houston. So Austin Hooper, you know, never really lived up to his potential in Cleveland, but he found a nice landing spot, I think. In Tennessee, especially with that turnover they're having at the receiver position. So there'll be plenty of catches, I think, to go around for Hooper as tight end one, and he'll have an opportunity to make an impact right away and build some, some comfort with Ryan Tannehill.
1: All right, so keeping pace with keeping Andrew from talking, I'm going to keep going right here into the draft class for the Titans. Of course, at 18 overall, they took Traylon Burks out of Arkansas after that big trade that dropped uh, with A.J. Brown. Uh, In the second round, they took corner Roger McCreary from Auburn. Offensive tackle Nicholas Pettit-Frere out of Ohio State. Uh, And then they took, finally, uh, coming off the board, quarterback Malik Willis out of Liberty went in the third round at 86 overall, Hassan Haskins in the fourth round, Uh, Chigo Aconquo, the tight end out of Maryland, wide receiver Kyle Phillips from UCLA, defensive back Theo Jackson from Tennessee, and another six-round pick, Chance Campbell from Ole Miss, the linebacker.
3: Yeah, I want everybody listening to know that Andrew divvied up who would say what this week. So this is not intentional. Andrew did this to himself, but I (laughs) think... (laughs) I think the biggest question mark here, at least for me, is Traylon Burks and Malik Willis, right? I mean, if these two picks hit, then nothing else in this draft class is going to matter. But Burks has a lot of production to replace right away as a rookie with Jones and Brown no longer on the roster. And that's not fair for him to have those kind of expectations the same way that Packers fans really can't expect Christian Watson to come in and like replace the production of Devontae Adams. So I think Willis landed in a nice spot to, to benefit from being behind. Tannehill for a couple years. And I like the Hassan Haskins pick quite a bit as the running back. I think he's a nice depth piece behind Henry and he could see some snaps right away on offense.
2: Yeah, I, I do think you're spot on with Traylon Burks. Our, our friends over at Draft Dudes always mention Traylon Burks as a guy who could replace the Titans production of John U. Smith. And I know different positions, right? Um, But you just get Burks the ball and then let him make plays and I think the the Titans did a little bit of that with AJ Brown but Burks has a long ways to go towards even contemplating replacing that level of production just because of his his route running limitations. I think McCreary is a really interesting cornerback prospect and somebody I think could be a really nice surprise out of this class. Petit Frere, um really needs a year of seasoning, but has a ton of tools um, to be a really nice piece. And, you know, I love Malik Willis. I, I truly think he could be the starter in Tennessee next season and give him, you know, maybe a Lamar Jackson type of player, maybe a B plus Lamar Jackson, um, but on a rookie deal. And, you know, that that's doing a ton of projection. It's likely not going to make much of a difference that he's on the roster this year outside of maybe a few specialized packages. But, you know, I think if you go beyond... Trail on Burks. I think Aconquo and Kyle Phillips had the greatest likelihood to contribute this season. I think Okonkwo could be a sneaky pick to lead the league in the rookie tight end receiving statistics. He's got the athleticism and receiving refinement to be really productive. And, and I like Kyle Phillips as more of a gadgety type receiver. But I think we could see some really fun jet sweep kind of action, which we know is really effective when you have Derrick Henry back there. And then also some quick action out of the slot, and and Tannehill loves to get the ball out of his hand quickly, so he could be productive there. I I think overall this class does have a lot of potential, but that is doing a ton of projection, and I don't know how much immediate impact they're
1: really going to get. It's probably a little scary to be a Titans fan because of all the change that is coming inevitably. But as an outsider, it's going to be fun to see all this change because a couple years from now, this could be a very, very different Titans team. That could be good or that could be bad. Uh, We'll just have to wait and see how all of these picks and all these moves play out uh, in the years ahead. But the question that always looms, guys, we have to answer, did the Titans actually get better or did they get worse this offseason?
3: So I think worse in the short term. I'm not sure how anyone could look at this roster on paper and think that they got better. Um, they still have the potential to be a playoff team, especially in the AFC South. Obviously, Derrick Henry is still Derrick Henry. The defense can still be really good and they didn't suffer any significant losses there. But I think the Titans have positioned themselves not only to continue contending, but to also kind of set themselves up to be better or more successful in a couple of years, kind of like Kyle said and Andrew with the projections. So, I mean, I like where this team is at again, you know, especially being in the AFC South. But I think short term, a little bit worse on paper.
2: Yeah, I, I think this team's hand was kind of forced. They had to take a step back because of Ryan Tannehill's contract. It cost them players like A.J. Brown um they overpaid an average quarterback and you know now their roster is getting a little bit older and they're paying the price for that however still a lot of high-end talent at a few premium positions and i think they definitely can complete still compete for a wild card even though i don't really see a team repeating as the number one seed in the afc so um yeah step back but I, i this is still gonna be a tough game for green bay
1: yeah, I think we're all on the same page. I think that A.J. Brown loss is going to be significant. I think you'll feel that, especially early in the season, as this team probably just struggles to figure out their offensive identity outside of you know someone like Henry. But obviously Tennessee viewed Burks as someone that they think can come in and be that replacement long-term for Brown. But guys like Brown just don't grow on trees. And so uh, you think you found that easy plug-and-play replacement, but it's probably going to take a little while uh, for that to take – take place but i really like this draft class that they got especially those middle rounds i think they got some value there so like we've talked this is a team probably takes that step back initially but if malik willis and burks hit this could be a really fun team in two to three years but that is a really really big if yeah absolutely and so the packers are going to play these
2: two teams back to back uh week 10 dallas comes to green bay Probably down Mike McCarthy way. Uh, that's going to be on November 13th with a 3:25 kickoff. I'm sure a lot of eyeballs will be on that one. But then the Packers have a very short turnaround and host Tennessee in Green Bay that Thursday, uh, November 17th for a 7:15 Central kickoff. Uh, so two tough opponents in four days. Uh, that that will be a, a definite challenge for Matt Lafleur to get the team ready. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Pack Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every Friday. And next week, we'll be back breaking down more of the Packers' 2022 opponents. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember...